Hey everybody, welcome back. It's goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's tales from New Orleans. Um, I'm not sure if I pressed the button before your very first vocalization came out. Okay. So it might have been clipped there, folks, at the beginning. I'm not sure. Let's talk about um, it some more. But we should give it a beat. <laughs> okay. We should give it a beat. Oftentimes on it's a good live Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans podcast, we talk about the timing of our introductions and that forever we work on getting them right and we never seem to Let's, get it. Do you wanna try right? you wanna try some variations on it? Yes. <laughs> What's a yeah. it's called it's a good okay. life babe with uh, Joel and Jeff? Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. That's the whole thing. It's a good life, babe. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. That's right. Is that right? So we always go with the dot com. We always go with the back of yeah, why it's a good life it's a good life dot com. I'm I know, I'm I'm dropping still gonna say it. I'm dropping dot com. I'm OG. I'm OG in it. Is it, it it's a good life babe dot com? Jeff and Joel's Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. Alright, let's try it one more time. Okay. okay. I would right, do ready? this as a suggestion. Uh, Chris this. Lane, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, in the this house is, tonight. This is my studio reel. This is my audition. Try well, with give the, the countdown. Music. and then. Oh, but I'm sorry. You give direction first, Chris. I'm sorry. I'm it's thinking music, then I say it. Fade out on the music, and then I say it. So we start with the music? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. You. So right. you cue me for the music. Radical, radical concept. Yeah. And then yeah. you cue him for coming I'm a in. consultant no, you now. Cue, you're going to cue yourself, Chris? Yeah. You ready? Okay. Okay. Ready? Yep. Jesus Christ. God damn it. You guys are so bad at this. That didn't work out. (laughs) Well, we've never. To our credit, we've never had to redo one. And I fade down on the music. So we've never redone one. Are you going to fade out? I I would fade out and let me talk while it's still playing. Of course. We always do that. Let's do it. Okay. One. All right, ready? Three. It's a good life, babe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. And we're here at La Perouse in beautiful mid city New Orleans with your hosts, Jeff and Joel, and their guests. I like our way better. <laughs> I like you like, your, you like my way better? <laughs> I think we're. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's no, that's fine. nice. I think Chris, we're doing thank all right. you. Chris, Sorry. what's up, dude? Oh, man, I don't know. I, uh, I'm wicked tired. Because you were doing, what do you call those? Burpees? I was doing burpees. Those yeah. uh, Marines and Marine and Prison uh, calisthenics. Yeah, yeah. I was doing those with a, a bunch of them. I went over to City Park. It's gorgeous out there. I'll go there, practice clarinet for about 20 minutes, and then I worked out. And while I was working out, about 400 yards away, they brought one of the high school girls' uh, track teams. Yeah. And they were going to have them run. And they split them in like three different groups, and they started running in three different directions. So at that point, I was just like, I had to finish my workout, put my shirt back on. Put the clarinet away because I didn't want to be the creepy piper. The, the creepy the guy creepy that's, piper without that's shirt working on. out without your shirt. Yeah, like I don't know where they are. I'm just like, <laughs> so they just showed up and just like, oh, I'm just like, I'm doing scales. And I'm working out and I'm just like, oh, Jesus. Like, I'm at that age where like, I'm in, like, I've hit the, both ends of the bell curve. When I was in high school, I avoided high school girls and then, like, you know, I matured out of it. And then I was like, oh, they're cute. And now I'm at, I'm in my 40s, so I have to avoid being around them. Yeah, no, I know. I, I think I know. There, there, you're <laughs> self-aware. God bless you. Yeah, like this I cannot be just doing push-ups when there's a bunch of them around. I'm just gonna. Yeah, but I'll just say, Ralph sure Madison. I wish you had your uh, propriety uh, in terms of self-awareness. <laughs> so. Ralph Madison, the uh, camera guy. <laughs> camera yeah, guy. always <laughs> without <laughs> a shirt on, awkwardly hugging oh, okay. people. Dude, it is. Dude, 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 it is true that That's you get to a certain age, and it's not. It's not that you were there first. Because you can make that argument, right? Yeah. It's like, no, I was here first. I'm here first. But now you, the, the you tweeners are high here. school girls came running to a place that I was occupying before. Yeah. No, no, no. Their their mores and standards come. Got to clear. And out. and it and it just instantly applies to you that yeah. you've got to be a perv. And yeah, yeah. so right? what I did you're, is I just you're said, shirtless. Were, you're doing push-ups. They were four hundred yards away. Yeah, they were four hundred <laughs> yards away. So I was just like, okay, let's get out of here. 
But the Claren, that's just, I don't want to get arrested. They were 400 with yards away. You could, so you were, you were viewing them from your super duper that's, long uh, binoculars. Yeah. That, that is, allow you just having to look like a clarinet. That's a telescope. That's a clarinet officer. That's a telescope, sir. That's 100 <laughs> yards less than the restraining order required for most sex offenders. So I gauged, you know. I gauged it, and then I was like, okay, let's finish up this workout. Because at first, first I don't want to look like a perv, and secondly, I also did not want to have a heart attack in public because I'm getting like I, like on the on the, was... on the eighth burpee, I was just like I can't do this. Like, so I already done a bunch of pushes, I've done a bunch of jumping jacks. It was warm. I brought some water, and so I got the hell out of it. So I'm a little winded. I just doing so you just came from that? What about that game? No, um... Could you imagine no. if you did? What about okay, that? Okay, if you had a mild heart attack and you were lying there shirtless with a clarinet, clarinet. next to you as these girls are running by, it's like, over. I'm just like, help me. <laughs> Rishi Nacho. And they, they, would, they would report... Yeah, never mind. I yeah, do, yeah, I yeah. really panic about that. Dying. You're going to get a visit from the cops and then... Oh, okay. Yeah, the cops are going to show up and be wearing creeping these girls <laughs> well, out then. by flopping around <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> And that's just gonna add insult to fucking injury. It was, <laughs> like, was a, it was a perfect. You're the worst pervert ever. <laughs> like, you no, had, I was had a, I was practicing. A, I was clarinet. self-aware, and B, I had a heart Actually, attack. You know what? I, I had my shirt off practicing clarinet in the park, like you do. Like you do. They came running into my space, and here I am. Well, here's there's two things with that. There was another couple that was going for a romantic walk. That I think they were from out of town, and so they were like traipsing around. The uh, federal work program shelters that FDR WPA built. shelters, yeah, yeah. WPA shelters yeah. that, sure. that FDR built for <laughs> anonymous gay sex. That's the, it was a program. It was an extensive program. Anyways, they were walking all over, and then they see me like, very progressive <laughs> doing scales. They're like, let's, I thought you were part of the. Uh, let's cut. Oh, I would have thought maybe they thought you. were No, part they weren't. Of the they were program. like, let's cut this. And then here's the other thing: where where I practice clarinet, if anyone wants to sort seek me out. Um, it's actually a disc golf course. Yeah. It's a huge I, disc golf. I'm over there three times a week playing yeah. disc golf. So there's actually. all these guys that are just showing up. I felt, I didn't feel as bad as them because a lot of them just like, they're like ripping bongs in their car. Ripping and, bongs. And then they just want to go out and they're yeah. stretching out about to play disc golf, which is yeah. just frisbee with a motionless, <laughs> it's just, it's frisbee. It's okay. I, I play that sport it's at a the great, course you're talking no. about. And I've also had that feeling when the, when the girls run yeah, by the sure. track. I take that sort of same yeah, tack as you, which is like, let me stop creeping them out. You guys are just trying to play a sport. And they I'm, don't know I'm playing, yeah. They don't know that. I just got the hell out of there. Anyways, no, I didn't. No, I went certainly home. whoever's mentoring them or, or overseeing them. Does. Yeah, they're like looking at you. Oh, you, for you sure. You are definitely getting the side eye. You yeah. know, like, why, why are you here? Well, we say this often. Why are you on, here on, doing this activity that this area is designated for and at this I, moment? Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> And like you know, they're probably going to some private school that has a track or something. Anyways, <laughs> the long and short of it, I hate children. I hate school children. You have a child. No, I, I love my baby. I don't hate children. <laughs> I, I, what happens to me on the way there is there's a there's a private school I believe in City Park, and I have to bike past it, and all the oh, yeah, parents yeah, yeah, yeah. are are just um, queued up in their cars Same. picking up their yeah, children. That's and right. I get I get a little mad about that. Say right. something. Let me tell you something. That corridor over there is about to get a lot worse too. Yeah, because the children's museum, museum. Yep. is opening up, and that thing is a fucking behemoth, yep. man. That's I don't huge. know if you've seen this thing or not. You cannot believe how much green space they've taken. No, up. I haven't seen it. And it's, it's just like I don't yeah. understand. Why, like, why did they move? It makes me so upset because that's where I ride my bike. You know, mm. to get out to the lakefront and to avoid most of the traffic, totally, I ride through man. there. That's that where was, some people like to play clarinet know, and do man. their burpees, man. Yeah. Yeah. I children over there. And now. It's just going to be infested with kids. With kids, yeah. Who there are adults assigned to point out, to profile, if you will. Yes, are us creatures. <laughs> I have to keep going deeper. What's going to happen is because you that happens, we have to go deeper and deeper, in because there's no more wild space there. So we're actually going to become hermits. Yeah, hermits, we're, way the deep. We have to get pushed deeper. So when deeper. they come across us, they're going to be like, "Why are you?" That's here? a real it's hermit. Because like, like you, you force us here. You deeper and deeper into the heart and of play, City you Park. Hear, you can hear his crazy telescope <laughs> flute. Playing at night. Near to the lake. And he's just doing push-ups. Perhaps on Scout Island. We may just have to, like, figure <laughs> oh, out... Oh, I heard Scout Island. To be in, pl- oh, Scout Island. Yeah, we have to, might have to be, in, like, in plain sight. Like, you do your laps around the circle around the... Uh, I love... I'm not Noma. lying. I love City Park. I think and, it's great. And you do your flute playing from the steps of Noma. It's not a flute. 
It's a clarinet. Um, a clarinet. It's a flute. <laughs> flute sounds creepier. <laughs> <laughs> flute. That's right. That would be even better. I know. But you can't Can we find another shirtless person willing to do push-ups Jeff, playing the flute? There actually the, the, was the, a the, 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 the flute telescope doesn't see quite as far as that. <laughs> there was a guy that used to play flute over by one of those abandoned uh, buildings. Yeah, I saw him perfect. a few years ago. That was interesting because I was going for a jog. I was just looking for a place to clarinet and play clarinet. It's a clarinet. Like that's a verb. I was just looking for a place to play clarinet and there's some freak with a flute. Like, I'm clarinet. He's the perv. I gotta knock him out to the cops. Yes. Check that guy out. There's some lunatic with a Oh, harp. if it was somebody, yeah, with a flute or a piccolo, you're fine. Yeah, I can get rid yeah, of Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I did that earlier today. It was good. I, got, I went for a bike. But I'm a little peaking and I got a show tonight. So I gotta do that. Well, and we're gonna pitch that show. Something you said about your bell curve of like, when you were younger and to now I kind of have a similar sort of thing and maybe Jeff you do too but like I I have lamented plenty of times throughout my life that like I came of age sexually um, in my high school years but mostly college years man where there was no getting laid because A's had happened I was in that age like as soon as Magic Johnson came out with having AIDS, it was like there was no having sex, even on a college campus. I was a really, I don't know, I was a freshman or something. Well, for mm, me, that's a drag. I'm sorry. And then later in life, <laughs> I, I found out how, how to appropriately have romance and relationships and yeah. sexual engagement. And now I kind of feel like that era is over. And now I'm just trying to hopefully people won't see me as a creepy old dude. Well, yeah, my friend Isaac, I Rizal don't uh, think that there's any escaping that. Man. No, right, yeah, there's none. Yeah, the just, only way to escape that, that you just spot. had is by having a baby. Yeah, you know, right? If you have a baby, you know, bring it everywhere. You bring the baby everywhere. Everybody's like, "Oh, he's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine." Right? Which it doesn't mean anything. No, it does. If you were a true creepo, having a baby doesn't mean a damn thing. It doesn't slow. If you're down. a true creepo, you have multiple babies. Yeah, <sighs> boy, I could get in some creepos, man. There, there are tons. Some of them were mentioned there. earlier in this podcast who've had many children. I try to just get it. Out of my, I tried to get out most of my filth. I think over the past ten years, so I, I think I'm fairly safe. You're kind of cleansed. Not really. I mean, sort of. I'm just bored. as is part of it. Um, I also like you expunged I, your filth. I expunged the filth out, but I was like, it was kind of cathartic. But I also like, I mean, I stopped <laughs> drinking two months ago. Ten years of catharsis. Yeah, so I think there's the stop drinking, kind of like you know, because that's that makes you a little more impetuous and kind of like. Uh, Stopping uh, drinking or drinking? No, drinking does. It makes you more impetuous. It, right. it, it lowers your inhibitions. Like, yeah, I'm filthy. You just like, oh, yeah. yeah so now you can yeah. kind of like, you when you have some filthy thoughts, when you're sort of tipsy, you're like, yeah, that'll be great. But then, like, or even very literally, you can smell yourself and be like, I'm filthy. Yeah. I'm like, filthy. when you're sober, you're <laughs> yeah. like, I shouldn't come on to my girlfriend right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, filthy. I'm just <laughs> filthy. I'm a gross person. Uh-uh. But yeah, I'm doing well. I'm, other than that, I'm doing okay. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get into it. Trying to get in out of the, the shuck off the summer. It was kind of miserable. Yes, yeah, I, I was thinking about this today. Uh, we have, first of all, uh, for anybody who's in denial about global warming, it's real. Mm-hmm. We have five months of summer now mm-hmm. in New Orleans. Period. That's it. There is unquestionably now five months, and I was only wondering, it's May through September, all month, mm-hmm. all the entire month of May, all the way through the month of September, period. That's mm-hmm. it. It's no longer a half of May to first week of September, mm-hmm. right? That's what it used to be when I was a kid, yeah. Yeah. essentially, right? You now get a little bit of spring into, into May, right? And then it would be searing hot by the time July. Now it's searing hot in June, Remains that way all the way into September and even to the end of September, as we're seeing now. And then I was like, are we going to have six months solid now? Is it going to be six months solid of Mid-April summertime? Mid-October. And I looked at the weather forecast for like the next 10 days, and there is no modification of the temperature that we're feeling right now. Right. For the, like the next 10 days. There's no sign of fall coming mm. at all. Except to me on the way over here, there were some See you next week, in people. In <laughs> like that. Never. Like, we're, I was just going on this, like, this Jeff Foxworthy tip. Like, I just feel kind of weird around little girls. You know, like, we're all dead. We're all, we're all doomed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Have a kid. That'll make you look. That'll have, have a child. It'll make you look have, like have less a of a child curve. in this era. And then raise her in a wasteland. Right. No, but it's, it's something that is. Basically, um, the road. 
Yeah, well, that, that's which was filmed in Louisiana. <laughs> there you with, go. With did you work on that? No, I did oh, not work on that. Right. I, I don't work on that many movies anymore. But it's funny because we have um, in the national scene, or I should say, how that extrapolates from the local scene into the national scene. Because we have uh, Scalise from District One who's oh, boy. running for re-election, and he's he's going to win. Of, he's a shoe in. Yeah, maybe, maybe. He who's is. he up against? Nobody's. He's got Jim Scalise. Um, no, his name is Steve Scalise. I'm sorry, Jim Francis. Jim Francis. And then... You, you uh, posted something on Jim Francis yeah. just the other day, right? Or yeah. today? I, I, I post stuff about yeah. that. I, like I can't name. remember the name of the woman that's running. The woman she is... Was, oh, gosh. Savoy? Yeah, Sav- Savoy. Savoy. Yeah, yeah that's she's right. She's a doctor. She's a yep. United States Air Force doctor. She was in the Air Force. Yeah, she was an officer in the, in the Air Force. Um, I mean, I've said this a million times that I'll take a pile of poo with googly eyes, you know, to get rid of any of these Trump type people. If that was the Democrat, you know, sure. I, I mean, I don't care. My priority is defeating fascists. Yeah, sure. you know. So like people who are like far to the right of Bernie Sanders or even Hillary Clinton are fine with me, you know, mm-hmm. because they'll vote for most of the Democratic priorities up and down the board, mm-hmm. except they'll have a few things. That actually got them elected, you know, which unfortunately is like reproductive rights and things like that. You just hope that the overwhelming consensus of leftist thinking in a left-controlled Congress will overwhelm those folks as well, you know. And like maybe they'll defect a little bit, but whatever. Um, at the same time, you know, it'll clamp down on this Trump uh, cult and uh, and bring us out of this uh, threat of uh, ever-growing fascism that we seem to be facing well, it's, every day. It's that. It's also the fascism, but also just this... I was part of that, and my, one of my friends made this point of, like, with that movie's Pan Labyrinth. Pan's talking, Labyrinth, yeah, yeah. He made this point. He's like, oh, actually, like, we, we focus on the little girl having these flights of fantasy and escaping that, but he goes, like, actually, fascism is another form of fantasy. It's another way of world-building where everything seems right and everything gets divided into good and evil my way or the the way of the enemy and that there's no nuance and there's no room to sure. discuss anything yeah so it's funny that, that like when you we, one of the problems that we have with that that fascist approach is like they can just completely shut down all debate on anything that that needs debate and needs to or like Prob- not even debate, problem solving. Like I'm, I'm just thinking sp- specifically about like coastal erosion in Louisiana. I'm thinking about uh, climate change, you know, and like we just avoid talking about it. In a, in no, a I mean it's it's completely utterly self-destructive. I mean it's a it's an expression of personal self-destruction that it comes from inside the cult figure leader, mm-hmm. and and then it gets writ large through all these other people who identify with that self-destruction. And it, all, you know, I mean, look no further than Hitler. Uh, he fantasized his way through every military meeting that he had, you know, until he uh, eliminated all the pragmatic thinking people who had more experience than he did and hired a bunch of crackpots that yeah. surrounded him right. and kept telling him. And even at the end, the crackpotty ones were became the pragmatists because... One of the nuanced things about fascism is that within the fascist circles, there's this nuanced, ever-changing, ever-growing sense of what the rules are and who's dictating them because nobody can determine them and they're just whimsically uh, being decided in this vortex that is the leader. Because they're authoritarian. Because they're they're authoritarian and whimsical. Yeah, because they're based on some type of authoritarian figure. That figure is a cult of personality. Therefore, they're not going to be bound by any ethos or specific ideology. They're just just the self. We've seen that pattern with Trump already where the, the... Essentially, we shifted the, gears. The really mo- no, I know, I'm no, I'm but, but we I'm went digging. towards Scalise, and, and because essentially the most competent people that he had, which is incredible to, to say this, or the ones that he thought were the most competent, came in at the beginning, and you've seen this whittling rights previous. You know, I mean, you could just run down the list of all these people. He did have an, a, a slew of incredibly incompetent people, Steve Bannon. Mm-hmm. That uh, Secretary of State, whose name I can't even remember, the Exxon guy, Tillerson, son-in-law, right, and his son-in-law, and and and, and, and some of the most incompetent ones have stayed. But yeah. there were a slew of uh, Republican technocrats that have been around for a long time, and he eliminated all of them as well. 
And so now you're just left with like a couple of people and by all who actually have, you know, abilities and by all accounts, he wants to fire them. Like Kelly yeah. and Mattis, basically. Like Kelly and Mattis, and he wants yeah. he wants them gone, and he's wanted them gone for right. like you know getting on six months now or something like that. You know, so um, that's just that's the way that it works. It eats itself. Yeah, it's just a monster that eats itself over time. You know, and uh, but as I was telling Joel, if I could just shift to this thing, I'm digging it, man. To like to just it. to kind of give people assurance, and I've talked about this on the pod before. A bunch of times. A big difference between uh, authoritarian dictators in other countries and in the United States and what's happening now is that all of those dictators without fail in all of those other countries had control of the military. And that's how they were able to enforce right. the fear mm-hmm. uh, in the groups, in dissenting groups, and shut down dissenting groups, is by using either the police or the military in order to make that happen. And the biggest proponent of making that happen, Steve Bannon, is gone. Yeah. You know, Steve Bannon, without a doubt, is the most dangerous human being in the United States. I've said it before, I'll say it again. He wanted to. In a position of power. He, in a position of power. He wanted to start a war. He wanted to use that war to suspend habeas corpus and to enforce martial law Mm -hmm. throughout the United States in order to start rounding up liberals and any other dissenters in true fascist style like the Nazis and have us put in the camps and executed. I'm certain that that is Steve Bannon's plan, and that's what he wants to do. Because what there is a group in and amongst these Trump people that... They want to see the end of liberalism completely. Mm-hmm. That's what they want, like yeah. what you're saying, this, this good and bad yeah. view of the world. They, they want liberalism to be crushed with military might and murder. And they won't say it publicly, but that is where they want it to go. But the problem with Trump is that his malignant narcissism and egomania is, to, is so great that he can't stomach the idea of anyone being more popular than he was. And Steve Bannon... By calling him the president, the media did us all a favor by elevating his status above uh, Trump's. And then Time Magazine, I think, ran that thing suggesting that Steve Bannon was the de facto was president. Donald Trump, where they did and I can, I can, I can, yeah. I can tell you that at that at that moment, it was written in stone that Steve Bannon's career at the White House was done. Because that's, that's the one thing that Trump can't stand. Yeah. is that anybody else is more popular. But I also, th- I mean, like, I don't, I, I haven't talked with any. I've talked to a couple of friends. They're not higher up the chain of command at all, but they have a sense of how some of these dudes work. I also think that like there's enough people in the military. This is the this is the the weirdest thing for me living in the time that we are in right now is that I'm rooting for football players and the FBI. Like that's just for me. It's just like just like <laughs> so yay, weird. Yeah, totally jocks right. and narcs. Like it's just like right. that's what I'm yeah, yeah. rooting for. Yeah. I'm like right, right. Thank God. Like yeah. the guys that used yeah. to beat the people, shit. People just turned have, upside down. Yeah, it's really people, people, people who've had horrible histories themselves. You know, are suddenly being looked to to uh, provide sanity and hope. That's that's really fucking crazy. But that's what it is with the military. I think one of the reasons is that you you don't have you have some of them. Believe me, there are white supremacists and. Dominionists that are in the military, but there's no also doubt. a bunch. There's a bunch of them up there that are like we cannot let this guy come in here at all. I mean, like, well, I, I don't think he. I don't think he has enough of an intelligence and real cult of personality about people that have are disciplined and think for themselves within the military totally or are familiar with that to control them. One of the unique things in the United States, if I could give it some credit. Mm. There's a lot of horrible history, and there's a lot of novel ideas that have worked really well. And one that's not really getting any credit at all is this division between civilian and military life Mm -hmm. that we have. Not a lot of countries in the world have this very hard-line division between military and civilian life. Mm -hmm. The lines between those two things are oftentimes blurred. People look to the military as the primary source of authority in most of the countries in the world. Mm -hmm. They don't have police forces necessarily in the way that we think of. Call the cops, military guy comes over to your house. Mm -hmm. Somebody gets taken away for dissent, it's a military guy that comes and gets them. We have this 
absolute dividing line and it's inculcated in officers especially at the higher education level and this is a thing that is keeping us safe and I have yet to see an article about it I'm sure it's being written about in military journals is that this idea is inculcated in our officers that you are here to serve the civilian population and to yeah. keep them safe you're not here to have political opinions you can have political opinions yourself but you're not here to do that, and you're not here to attack the population that resides within the United States at all, ever. Yeah. And there are laws against that, against mobilizing the military against. And all of that stuff institutionally has remained completely and totally intact so far in the Trump presidency, and I haven't seen a single article written about it. And it's super fucking fundamental and important to understand that. And one of the main reasons is because Trump comes from a civilian background mm -hmm. and his military service is nil, mm -hmm. so he doesn't have the respect. No. And if you look at the difference between where these people come from, and you look at Hitler, who was relatively young when he came up and rose to power, um, Hitler had a war hero's yeah. background in World War One. Yeah, he was in World War as, I. He was in mustard, as, mustard gas attacks. As concerned the leaders in the military. Whether or not he was a an officer or an enlisted man, he had that heroic, quote-unquote, background that yeah. they could look to and say, well, at least we honor this guy because we, we in their perverse mentality, mm -hmm. because he serviced our country in, the, in our defeat in World War One, and, uh, and Trump just doesn't have any of that. There is just, I mean, you can see, like, John, Kelly can barely contain himself in terms of, like, mocking Trump openly. Oh, yeah. You know, sure. I mean, so if you have that kind of attitude... You know, you'd really have to dig deep into the core of military personnel to find some people who are like fanatically devoted to Trump. I know that they're there. They're there. There you are know, some that are there. I mean, and, but here's that's the great thing about it is I think that if he did have a military background, the perversity of his thoughts would be tempered by the kind of austere discipline shell that a lot of upper echelon military present. Right. So they'd be like, oh. Like, yeah, that's actually, he's actually m pushing us towards fascism, but, you know, I respect him, and he's, you know, he's paid his dues, he's come up through Officer Corps, and now he's there. Um, so, I mean, like, I think because he went to a military school, which, you know, we don't really have too many of them anymore, but that's pretty much for disciplinary cases, when you want to get your kid <laughs> yeah. out of the general population. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Not, uh, yeah. diddling people. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I think like that, him going into a military high school and then choosing not to go into the military makes him extra ludicrous to people in the military. I think you're right. Yeah, because most people don't do that. You yeah. Know? And then I mean, certainly. But the other thing too is that like West Point and 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 the Naval Academy and the other ones as well are are those are rigorous institutions. Yeah. I mean, they just are academically. Yeah. They're they're excellent institutions academically, and they're not putting out people who are dummies. No. And they don't have a respect for people who are. And Trump's a dummy. Yeah. You know, so like he doesn't present himself as having any kind of real competency right. whatsoever. You know? Oh, God. <laughs> so, so we, everyone talks about it on both sides, talks about his uh, indecency quite a bit, but there's not that much talk about his incompetency as there probably should be. Well, that's the funny thing. It's like they, they, yeah, they. I agree. Even that so-called <laughs> resistance, that resistance memo that was uh, published as an op-ed, and right. uh, and the time, if you really like parse that out, like that person's his argument or her argument against uh, the chief executive is that like, oh, he's just sort of mean-spirited and narcissistic. We kind of liked that he was bloating the military industrial budget and we kind of, we we really dug that we he was putting tax people cuts and that yeah we love the tax yeah exactly we love the tax cuts we don't mind that he was putting kids in cages but i can't exactly figure out what pushed it over the edge for that one person but if you really that's the the other issue with this too is like they have taken things with this fascistic approach they've taken things so far to the right that things that are still fairly right-wing look somewhat conscionable or somewhat intelligent, even though they're not. It's just like they've skewed everything. They, they, the pendulum shift has been so far sure. that what we consider the middle now, and this has been going on, this is getting played out for, yeah, for three a or four decades. decades. Yeah. Yeah. 
I just have to, I just, we need to tape all of, the reason we're taping all this is so we can explain shit to my daughter. Really? When, no, she, totally. You know, when right. she's 13 right, years old. Right, right. She can maybe and figure it out. She's going to listen to her on a dusty old eight <laughs> track that's going to be in, like what used to be called Ohio. In the no, they're going to be like MP3. Threes? What the fuck is that? And man? she'll she'll hear some talk. She'll be like, "Daddy, what does boys will be boys mean?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally. Can you explain that to me? My, but, but it's funny my that it's daughter, fun- if it's, you're listening to this, I am gone. <laughs> it's funny that you say that though. But in poll after poll of people who are young, and so by the time your daughter's thirteen, the uh, baby, uh, the beginning of the millennials will be our age, mm-hmm. and uh, the deal is, is that they're they have none of these. They have none of the indicators that baby boomers had at the same age that they were going to wind up believing in those things. Like the future of the United States, which is why I think this is really just like a dying hiccup. Mm-hmm. It's an ugly, horrid, dying hiccup that we're seeing right it's a, now. It's a last gasp. It's a last gasp, yeah. It's I mean, super we, ugly. It's like a choke. It's have like, you ever seen somebody the, like the vomits, dying? The vomit's you know? coming up, and they're yeah. actually going to swallow the vomit, yeah. and they're going to be right. I had this rich boss, man, who got cirrhosis. Yeah. You know? Oh, Jesus. And like his eyes turned yellow, and his skin turned happening. yellow, and everything. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> right that's what's happening. No, right it now. is. Yeah. I mean, one the thing way that you I, said it, like you said, it was, it was like a cool thing. It's like that's that's, that's rad. what's happening. That's right. <laughs> that's bad. That's bad ass. Sorry, uh, but yeah. Well, man, no, I, no. You, you know what's funny about what you said right there? Because I had dual feelings when it happened with this guy, and I still do. And I'm more glib about it than I ever have been. But sure. it's it's just he was such an asshole that that was your response to it. You know, like if somebody's such a dick. That's how you respond to it. You're like, oh shit, that dude's gonna die. Yeah. Well, the the, optim- you know? <laughs> the optimist in, in, in me, Chris Lane, is that that, <coughs> that your daughter, when she's a teenager, this this blip, this last hiccup, this cirrhosis, and the yellow eyes, and the dying an awful quick coughing death, where you've, you asphyxiate yourself, which is hopefully the GOP right now as we know it, will be able to say to the rest of the world that, okay. Our democracy works. I mean, we're only 250 years old in this mm-hmm. country. Like, our Constitution is still... Maybe this is our first really big test of our Constitution. Not first, obviously. It's a war and everything. But it's a major test of our Constitution. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that people lose sight of, because we talk so much about the decency or indecency of Trump, and a lot of people lose sight of the harm we're doing in foreign policy right now because oh, yeah. we don't have a State Department. Yeah. And so the rest of the world, I think a lot of people don't get the fact that the rest of the world right now is hanging out like, what the fuck's going to happen there? Because this could lead to fucking worldwide bedlam if that democracy doesn't hold up. Yeah. What I'm, I'm hoping that what we would be able to say to the rest of the world four years from now is like, all right, a dictator tried to take over our country and we, our constitution is what made it not be able to happen but i, w- I wonder if i too, i i kind too. of i kind of agree it's with you good, but it's i also elementary thinking maybe i also that think part. that like that no, we need to, to say about it though like you some of some of these points like this point about division between military and civilian life in this country needs to be emphasized more because it clearly is the thing to me it is it's not the only thing but it's super strong the fact that at at the very moment that people in the military get trained, they get trained with this idea that they're there to protect the civilian population and not to ever assume political power at the end of a gun. Mm-hmm. I just I cannot tell you like if you if we had somebody in here from a country where that wasn't the norm, they would be like, that is a concept that we just have no idea about and mm-hmm. where I'm from. You know, I'm speaking in persona, but it, they wouldn't they wouldn't understand that, and that and and it's a it's not hailed as one of the real strengths of the way the United States is set up, but um, the way that the military is divided from civilian life, and however those rules are in place is like really holding strong and steady right now, and and that's. That's super fucking important, man, because that's the way that it happens. No, it is. I mean, there, it could be a junta or it could be some type of coup. I mean, I don't think, I think within that, there's, uh, there would be a concern that if that gasp, that death rattle went to such an extreme that one or two 
people that thought of themselves as white knights within the military say like, okay, we need to do something. But I think I, I don't know if there's that much of a cult of a personality in the military as there used to be, or that you would see years ago, or that you see nowadays in certain um, thinking like in things like Indonesia, or, sure. Um, um, yeah, more in the or even like you know, or Idi Amin or something yeah. along those lines. The big strong men that we yeah. all that we all came to Gaddafi and whatnot. So, I mean, there's a problem within that division though, is that we don't. I, I think that we also that the way that military is used to enforce certain policies, it's 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 apolitical in the sense that the individuals are used as tools. But it's used for political ends by these people that happen to be in power, like the the Ryan's and the Scalises and the Trumps. So, like, I think that like there's some mollifying um, effects in play right now because things have gone to the, the far extremes. But it was funny. There was this, and this is this is pertinent to what's going on in um, Louisiana because we're you know oil producing state. Is um, there was mm. one. Uh, I'll, I'll try to pull it up on the on the computer in a moment, but there's this one uh, policy think tank talking about what they call implicit subsidies versus explicit subsidies, and they were saying like, okay, how can we look at, how can we determine what the the high end of implicit and explicit subsidies are for the petroleum industry, and so they and mm -hmm. this this organization mm -hmm. was made up of civilians and military. And they're like, well, the one of the most the the by implicit subsidies would talk about the things that aren't written into law like oh sure. you will get 30 30 uh, right. back right. for every new yes. rig that you drive that's right. simplified right and it's like the the most implicit uh, subsidy for oil is military protection like how much how many troops how much supplies how many um, boats and anti-aircraft guns etc cetera, etc cetera, are put in service to protect, let's say, the Suez Canal um, and other canals in the Middle East. And right. they say, like, oh, it's around like $8 trillion. Right. You know? And so I'm wondering if that's going to, and, and they were doing this, this um, study in service to really promote more sustainable environmental and um, energy, energy infrastructures. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm wondering if it's going to get to that thing because, like, I, I, I'm... I mean, this is more of a tangent. I'm just wondering if we have enough knowledge or if enough information coming in that we can start to steer that, you know, metaphoric battleship that is our foreign policy and energy policy to make that come around. Because, the, you know, um, this pushback against renewable energy and this pushback against um, nuanced diplomacy is kind of heading away from that. Like, oh, no, we just need to just drill more. Oh, we just need to go in there and take the oil. We just oh, need to... Those two things and, the, and the, the third stick of that tripod is, you know, anti-climate or climate change denial. Yeah, yeah, take yeah. Those that's using together. That's using that service. I mean, that's that puts us in a pretty bad place. Where And then, meanwhile, we're left with arguing about, well, we have to cut back Medicaid or Medicare because we gave that, you know, multi-trillion dollar tax cut to the, you know... One hundredth of one percent, yeah. And our lives would be a lot simpler and richer and healthier for all of us had we, you know, had we embraced renewable energy the way that we should have, like pre nine eleven, mm -hmm. you know, and then put into places for that cost. I mean, talk about trillions of dollars. I mean, you just mentioned one piece. That was just one piece, so and that was more. an implicit subsidy, and they were looking at all these different. Uh, all these different facets of the the military industrial complex that are used to support and protect just oil fields and oil lines totally and right distribution centers but but it's not it's not only about protecting the oil fields and that calculus has changed a little bit my you know my father told me something a long time ago and it, it really rung true to me and i think that's it's like we've spent all this time in in the middle east like we're, we're just completely self-interested in terms of our policy in the middle east doesn't matter if it's a republican or a democrat in charge it's not to say that there haven't been valiant efforts you know, at peace talks and etc cetera, etc cetera. but the simple truth is this is that the united states is unprepared to allow iran to you know saudi arabia has the third largest defense budget in the world for a country with a 
population of Canada. Right. Are you, you serious? Know, third it's largest? the third largest defense budget on Earth. Okay. The reason for that is, is which I'm not justifying wars, because you, we didn't need a war to make this happen, is because nobody wants to have, a, in this country, the Iranians control oil prices through Russian military pressure on the Iranian border. Right. That's the reason why. Right. And that if you allow the Iranians to expand power in the region through Iraq and into Kuwait, then without even invading Saudi Arabia, they can influence the prices to where they want them to be in order to massively damage the United States economy. Now, whether that's a rational fear or an irrational fear is like the subject of great debate because right now, the United States extracts more oil domestically than it has ever and is at the table of, is producing as much oil as Saudi Arabia and putting it out into the world market, which is like another story that people aren't really, and that's mostly coming from fracking. And so so is uh, Canada. And the other thing as well is that uh, many of these systems have changed in terms of like large scale petroleum consumption because even the, re the refineries and factories are fueled, used to be fueled by more baseline petroleum products are now being fueled by natural gas. And right. so you've seen this explosion in natural gas production and, and circling it back to Louisiana, one of the dumbest things about Trump is that the Chinese, of course, are being tactical and smart in their approach. And they're like, well, one of the major things that you export that we don't have as much of is natural gas. And the world is turning toward natural gas and has been massively for a long time. Well, Louisiana is per capita the largest producer of natural gas in the United States. So Trump's tariffs are going to massively impact in 2019 the economy of Louisiana, sure. which is already in the dumps mm -hmm. right now because the Chinese have chosen natural gas as the one area in terms of energy consumption that they're putting tariffs on in the most, in the hardest way sure. coming out of the United States. So what you're going to see is this enormous increase in prices and you're going to see production fall dramatically and people are going to lose jobs in Louisiana. That's what's going to happen. It's already there, but you have to wait. Like it takes a year, year and a half for the oh, economic yeah. effects to, to kick in. But every economist that I've heard on, in almost every smart outlet that you can listen to has said, just be prepared in 2019, it's coming. But in Louisiana, it has a bigger, it has a bigger impact because Look, just like uh, tourism flows, m m music first, food, then way down at the bottom, architecture in the city of New Orleans and is the second tier by far industry in the state of Louisiana. Um, all the money that fuels, in a certain sense, tourism comes from this economy that's uh, sure. petroleum-based because we're basically little Russia. About to take a, yeah. We are basically little yeah. Russia of, of the United States. Right. So And now, increasingly, that refining uh, is not refining of raw petroleum, you know, in, meaning uh, crude oil and all yeah. its different varieties, but natural gas. And, and the natural gas is coming from fields in Louisiana, you know, in a way that, like, oil came in the great wildcat days in the 1950s and whatnot, you know. And, you know, we can argue about whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's obviously a bad thing because it continues uh, fossil fuels. It's also a bad thing that Louisiana doesn't and has never gotten its fair share because we've had yeah, pathetic, right. pathetic leadership. Yeah. who's given away the farm um, and, and as opposed to a state like Texas who has taken their round share. Yeah. and turned it into that gigantic economy that they have in Texas. We decided instead that we wanted to be the bitch of big petroleum oh, yeah. um, instead of like getting our rich rewards, you know, like we deserve. And and that's that's been our our great error in judgment, you know, from past leadership. Um, and it's prob well, probably because they got paid off under no, the yeah, table. That, it, that's yeah, totally I mean, that's right. the thing. You can't prove that's it. Totally it's right. the un unfortunate thing. But, like, you start to think about that, and that's something I've been... I, I, been trying to figure out as I get closer and closer to figuring out the stakes. I'm not from here originally. Is you start, like people are like, oh, Louisiana is so poor, and I'm like, but why? Like, why is it so poor? I mean, like if you have this rich extractive economy that's getting extracted and it's going somewhere. 
So why isn't it, like you're saying, why is it, and Texas has a lot of issues too. I mean, like that money's not distributed properly, but why isn't that money that's getting, you know, literally pulled out of the ground, why isn't that getting recirculated back? Why there's so many poor people and why like on every metric going down with quality of life are we at the very bottom time right. after time after time after time it's just baffling to me and it's baffling to me that and i don't know if they'll they'll ever because be we, we didn't we didn't we we didn't become the financial center yeah of it you know like houston and like the netherlands doesn't have oil you know but all of the vast wealth of royal dutch shell mm -hmm. goes to the netherlands and to england you know, because it's this combined company that's yeah. a quasi-state entity, right. you know, that resides in the Netherlands. So, like, all of this stuff. I mean, like, uh, I, I joked with Amsterdam Philip, who's a friend of ours over there, that we should sue the government of, of the Netherlands, says Louisiana, to come and pay us reparations for all the plundering that's happened yeah, here sure. in the name of Royal Dutch Shell and, and their operations in the United States. Because uh, uh, some vast quantity of their operations are, if not taking place mm -hmm. within the confines of Louisiana, they're taking place nearby, either in the Gulf, or they're, they're mining or extracting natural gas, but the refining is taking place here, yeah. you know? And, and I've said this also, like, this country has, a, a one weakness that this country has is that it's like, the, the geographic location of the lion's share of our energy refining capacity is located in a really dense, very small geographic area. You're talking if, about if that, you, like that, that corridor if you through the a, Gulf. If coast? you took off, if you took out just south of New Orleans mm -hmm. and up through Baton Rouge all the way to East Texas, this country would be in big fucking trouble sure. in very short period of time. I've as as an inv as invasions go. Sure, you know. I've often thought about like what would happen, <laughs> which is a crazy, I, you know. I mean, no, it's but, not that crazy because but that's the, that's where it happens. Yeah, you know, I mean that it's it's always been an extractive economy from from the get go. You know, I mean when the French and the British were sure. arguing over, that's, that's what it was. Right. Like, that's we right. need control, it, not necessarily for oil at that point, but we need to get this corridor so we can get access to the uh, the midlands of of North America, right? So that's been going on. But this is something I've actually thought about. In not in depth, just I've, I've kind of like just started like sketching it out. But I think it'd be incredibly beautiful, but also there'd be so many horrible things that would happen if southern Louisiana just split away from the rest of Louisiana. I totally am. Into I one agree state. Like if we sure. went to like if we went to like southern Alabama, I southern totally Mississippi, totally we're like, listen, agree. let's cut the fuck out of here. But it we, just has to be New Orleans, you know, because then you, you get all these crackpots, man. Once you get you to Jefferson do, Parish, uh, that's what the horrible part. Crack, crackpots. You wouldn't do Gulfport you know? to like Pensacola and like Pensacola would be cool. No, I'd, I'd join up. I, yeah, I'd go New Orleans all the way maybe to Pensacola. Yeah, we We grab Mobile along the way. You I know, think we could go It would depress me to leave Cajun country behind, you know, but at the I same time, could, they're, 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 a little, they're a little too wacko. They're a little wacko, but I think we could grab Lafayette. I think they we would could be, grab Lafayette. They would sure. be on board. No, fuck Baton Rouge, no. You're right. Yeah, we cut around yeah, it. Yeah, we'll cut around it. We'll cut around it. <laughs> so it would be this long sliver I don't mind going along the Mobile coast. Either. Mobile's yeah. fun. And then we would, we would like jam up mm -hmm. the nation's economy with these tariffs, you know, yeah. coming up the Mississippi River. Yeah. You know, and we just be like, no, man, you got to pay. You know, you just got to pay. You got to pay us. And then, they, period. Uh, and then become the most wealthy state. We just leave Connecticut in the dust. Yeah, we could yeah. do this. This is totally doable. It's totally doable. We will all die in our sleep. We'll let's all become get assassinated. Let's let's uh, secede. Mm -hmm. Let's decide what the boundaries are, and then become wealthier than Connecticut. We'd just be the fifty-first state. There, yeah, we'd be the fifty-first. You know what? There is a podcast I sometimes listen to called "It's a Sublime Life." My good friend, uh, this base in Tacoma. <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> and they're saying Seattle, Portland, Tacoma do the same thing. <laughs> I'm making that up, but there, you know, there's got to be regional oh, okay. podcasters everywhere who have this. Sure, yeah, right. I love this idea, but come on, we're we can do beings. it. We could try it. I mean, we can at least talk about it with people. That's the thing. Next time you go to Pensacola, okay, yeah. okay, okay, you're buying shells right. somewhere. Be like, I got okay. another one. I got another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, if that doesn't work, then we can take the same boundaries okay. and we can we can go in with Quebec province 
on a conjoined join up with them when they secede from Canada. Oh, they've been trying to. Do and that we just do that at the same time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what yeah, I yeah. mean? And so we'll be, be become like you know. Sister like, cities. Yeah, we'll become part of their country, but we're part down of their country. here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah, yeah, we'll get shelled. They'll just kill yeah, us. Yeah, they'll, 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 they'll kill us. They'll shell the shit out of us. Yeah, yeah our high-speed yeah. train will have to be really yeah, fucking yeah. fast. Yeah. That'll, that'll last the kill. No, no, no the funny <laughs> thing about it is, like, you will learn, slows down you you will learn about how undervalued the state of Louisiana is if anything like that ever happens. That's for right. two reasons and two reasons only. One is because of the mouth of the Mississippi River, and two is because of the refining capacity. Totally. And, like, this nation, the fact that we cannot somehow figure out how to extract the nascent value that those two things provide to the economy of the United States America of America is the biggest tragedy in the history of this fucking state that never gets talked about. No, it doesn't. And it those means- are the two most valuable things in the United States right there. Also, okay, all, you all, have more- all the rednecks who are scared to go to, to Europe but love coming to New Orleans. <laughs> Oh, was that? No, no. Suddenly they have no. to go to a different country. So small. I know, right. But, to come to but the French super court? valuable. Super Don't valuable. Don't take away my bourbon street. Right, right, right. You talked about implicit value versus explicit value, right? Well, so that, that can, was implicit implicit subsidies versus explicit subsidies. Well, we can talk about value in that oh, sense yeah, as yeah, well, exactly. right? Yeah, you know, absolutely. And it's like we get so f- small, such small amount of explicit, out of explicit value out of the implicit value that this place represents, right. you know? Because this is my point in saying this, right? Okay, you could say that the you could say clearly that the state of Missouri has a mu- no. Let's take North Oklahoma. Let's say Missouri, okay, okay because they've been such assholes recently. Okay, <laughs> right? How has Missouri been assholes? Are you kidding me? Ferguson and all the fucking oh, shit. Okay. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Missouri has been like asshole central. You know, for crying out, they did something good where they they voted to be uh, not a right to work state, which was cool. But uh, but but let's take Missouri. If Missouri is eliminated. Like, the the United States can recover from, like, what happens in Missouri. You know mm. what I mean? They can recover from that. Wait, don't they have that one entertainment capital place? Oh, yeah. The, Branson? Branson. The, the United States will never recover. That Branson, dude. They, they will never recover from the loss of Branson, but they can recover from all the other things. That's right. You can't recover easily from, like, losing the mouth of the Mississippi River or all the refining capacity in Louisiana. You just can't. And then the culture of birthplace of jazz. Well, yeah, of course, there's that too. But like, if you're just like a Trump-style Republican, they, you don't sure. give a shit about any of that, sure. you know? Because I wonder about this. I'm wondering. This is I got to get going in a second. When I go to these sort of dark places, you know that the Pentagon has been extrapolating um, different scenarios and different theaters of war. Um, that pertain to global warning. Like, this is what's going to happen. We're getting attacked immediately. This is what's going to happen in, like, 20. We're number one on the list. Yeah. But what I'm I'm wondering, though, because I hear about, like, you know, how much inundation there is on the coastlines, how much, you know, how much coastline we're losing every day, every week, every year, blah, blah, blah. I'm wondering if the people that nickel and dime us to the place that we are now, if they're, they must be making plans, be like, okay, this right. city's going to get flooded out in about 15 years. This is how we're going to restructure our cranes at the port so that they'll be able to draft into these submerged canals now. And this is where, like, so they're playing. Like, I wonder if those folks, when they, on one hand, they're, they're, you know, they're positing this idea that, oh, global warming is just a, it's a hoax, you know. And so but they're, they're, they're pushing secret, that through. they're secretly planning for it. But they're secretly planning for it at the same time. Right. Well, I think that they're, that gets back to my original point about, like, what's that. that like, they're using, that a, they're these, weaponizing global warming. They're weaponizing as a populist. Like, no, that's just a plan from China. It's a, it's a hoax that's being perpetrated by the the fifth columnists that want China well, to... These, the, that's that gets to my point about, like, these military institutions of higher learning and their rigorous discipline um it 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 cultivates people who are trained to not be prejudicial about the advent of science as it pertains to military matters like Mm -hmm. that you know so like they might be annoyed by the liberalness of it, you know, that like somebody who looks like Richard Dreyfus in Jaws, yeah. you know, is the person delivering the message. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. it doesn't mean that the idea and the substance of it isn't real, you know, oh, and no. that these people aren't going to pay attention to it because they're extremely smart individuals yeah. and their and their goal is 
yes. Like if they're planning that shit out, they have to. I would say I would say unequivocally that the answer to that is yes, even if we don't know the about Coke it. The Koch brothers have right seen now. these plans. I'm, I'm sure. For yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. No okay. kidding. I, I I can almost I can bet that you could find that information out in available military journals and potentially you know, like I the, the build out of the levy system here after Katrina might have been part of this bigger plan. Like yeah. they're going to dump whatever how many hundred billion dollars into the you know the most technologically advanced levy system in the world. Yeah, that thing that they built out there on the Mr. Go has got gun turrets in it, man. Does it? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, who knows, it's man. It's got places you know, for the gun turrets. For the gun yeah, turrets. Exactly. Right? I wouldn't be yeah, surprised. Exactly. It was so funny. I was, I was, I was driving. <laughs> i got to get going in a second, but I was thinking about gun turrets because I was down. I drove past <laughs> Lee Circle. No, I drove past Lee Circle the other day, and now they just have that obelisk there that has the, the slits for uh, window, the window slits that just are essentially gun turrets. Right. So whenever you drive by, it just looks like That's hyper- all it looks like. Now. Yeah, it just looks like hyper-militarized. Hey, man, Chris <laughs> yeah. Lane, quick, can we do some quick plugs for you? Absolutely. We, we know you're off tonight. Yeah, i got to get moseying. i got to cut the comic strip, which is what Mondays at Siberia. Mondays at Siberia, 9.30. It's uh, three booked comedians, two booked burlesque dancers, and then a, uh, I throw in a bunch of stand, um, open mic comedians as well. So what happens is for the first half, it's mostly the booked comedians and the booked burlesque dancers. Yeah. So you get like a good hour, 15 minutes of really solid comedy. Nice. And then you get the wild cards. You get Spencer. Then you get Spencer. Spencer's done okay. He's not horrifying. I've had some real (laughs) horror shows recently. Uh, (laughs) Like there's been some really bad ones that have just... Yeah, there was one of them. He was, he was, I put him up last. I put him up last all the time. Uh, he's a nice enough fellow, but he is always just saying something so outlandishly pornographic and um, badly timed and not funny. And it's just, it's sort of, break, it, it sort of just breaks me. It, break, it breaks me at the last minute. It's a, it breaks you at the end. The last minute, I'm just like, I don't want to be You here. should try putting that guy in the middle sometime. No, no. At the I, beginning? No. Not no, at the beginning. No, no. I used Two to thirds put, of the way? No. <laughs> I used to put, there's some things that you need, there are some occasions where I put someone really horrible at the beginning just because I don't want them hanging around and I just anticipate them going up. So like I'll just I'll see their name on the list and they're there. I'm like, this is gonna be horrible. And so like for I just have to stare at him for like two hours. I just look up every so I'm like, oh he's coming. He's just like he's just like this wave that's cresting way out there in the horizon. It's just coming in closer to the shoreline and closer right. to the shoreline. Right. I'm just waiting for him to go up there and just stink up the place. <laughs> that's pretty horrible. So I have done that on occasion. I'm just like I'm going to get him up and out of here. And mo- so you most- don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah, I don't have to think about it and fear about dome. it anymore. And then you've got what you do. What else do you have? Any other residency stuff? Do you have like a Thursday thing? I got no. I got my Friday show on whivfm.org, which is one hundred two point three in New Orleans. I'm sorry, I got to get jumping on here because we're like we're hitting on some big topics. I know. We'll have you back, and we'll talk about it. One one like quick uh, quick plug. That afternoon show on HIV is what two o'clock? One to one One to to three o'clock. It's uh, the Mongrel Mischief Power Hour. And then eat, pray, fight. And then finally, very quick uh, plug, because I mentioned this to you when I saw you when we were both on bicycles the other day. Um, what's this? And you don't have to get into it, but if you want to plug the, no, I the can cheap, do it. cheap date guide. Oh, that's on Facebook. That's You right. know what? That's what I thought we were going to talk about, but and yeah. it's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. It's, it's um, New Orleans Cheap Date Guide. And this is interesting because I think this plays into some larger topics when we started, like, before we went on air, we started talking a little bit about the TV show Treme, which has an incredible <laughs> effect, even for a very mediocre show that lasted a year and oh a half. Oh boy, two. now you're gonna get it. It did, but it had a huge <laughs> effect. But it was only it was it was on time it was it was on the air for a short amount of time, and not many people watched it. No, but no. we still feel it. It's yeah, it's, right. it's like this. When you read about physics, like in the universe, like there was a, a star that exploded. And we still like can find the trails, yeah we like, can still yeah we can still find the isotopes like okay, embedded down go. in our bones like every child has a radioactive <laughs> isotope yeah yeah that's the Simon the Simontope and it's <laughs> it's something like that anyways so what happened is and that's why I thought we we're gonna like for a long time this is something we can talk about in part two for a long time 
it's corny as that phrase is, there was land, like land yap was a real thing. Like this was like the town of the hookup and, and the side hustle. And what's happened, I've noticed in this town in the past six or seven years is like everything's become monetized. Like almost everything. Not everything, but almost everything. Yeah. Like second lines aren't really monetized. Right. Um, but you know, there used to be a lot of places where you'd be like, every Thursday we're gonna have like, uh, it's gonna be free oyster day or like, it's gonna be a free barbecue here. Like, you know, we'll get you the hookup at, at this, you'll have two for one drinks at this bar. Red beans and, and rice yeah, for it. Yeah, but there's Bombs. fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer of those places. You know, Chris, I wanna dive into that like so deep, man, I really do because I've been going on about, uh, and I know you gotta go, but yeah. uh, about how the diminishing landscape of, uh, of incubator clubs, I just call it that. They're, you know, of smaller clubs, where musicians can uh, cut their teeth mm-hmm. and new bands can play and come together and uh, and grow into something bigger um, rather than playing tourist music that's about red beans and rice and mm-hmm. you know Canal Street and none, 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 all all these New Orleans themes that the Convention and Visitors Bureau pushes out there which finds its way into the culture and onto Frenchman Street yeah, reify, know, it reifies, it reifies itself, itself. Yeah, in this weird right. way that that is is odd. And so I've been lamenting the fact that like the the production of new forms and new styles and new ideas in music that are rooted in New Orleans culture. Where is it coming from? And the other thing is the diminishing landscape of clubs, mm-hmm. where those forms, if they were nascent, could flourish. Yeah, and and I look at those two things right there, which is like that's the generation of the next, you know, 20 to 40, 50 years of where New Orleans music is going to come from. And I'm like, dude, it's super fucking hard to open a place in New Orleans. And right now you're looking at a club that should be able to open in some place and like they may not be able to do it in a place where anybody should be able to open a music club because the hostility toward musicians is, is so high amongst a certain class of people yeah. in the city of New Orleans. Now, I'm going to leave that's that. A, that's I'm a component leave, of that. I'm going to leave that there. Yeah. And then we're going to try and have you back on for the next podcast next week. And, if we and, can. Yeah, we're going to leave it there. The, one of the reasons, and one of the reasons I started that is just a Facebook page called Ch- a New, Orleans, uh, New Orleans Cheap Date Guide. Is like because everything has become montage because of this push from the Convention's Visitors Bureau. It's like and these like these soft puff pieces that were written by the Times, uh, the New York Times. They're like you gotta mm. come on down here. Oh yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, and create this like creative. New Orleans is the number most, one city. Number one city in yeah. in the world. And what's happened is it's like there's still some things where you can go out and do that, and you can. They're few and far between, but there aren't times when you can do that. And I think if you have folks that don't have that much money or they're working their ass off during the week, if you can give them some options where they can go and they don't have to spend 30 or 40 bucks. Yes, yeah. Then they can just start hanging out with each other. And that's the cheap and, day. Kind and of. that's the cheap day thing. But also by hanging out with each other, that's when you start building some of these newer forms that we used to, I don't want to be like one of those right, guys, like back dude, in the day. Back in the day, you just to meet a friend. Yeah. And at Snake and Jake's at midnight or whatever. Or three in the morning at Snake and Jake's. But, yeah. but there's are, yeah. there are some good things like um, BJ's is is doing some of that to a degree. I agree. Uh, yeah, there are there are some bright spots out there. But there are, but there are fewer and fewer. That's right. I agree. Yeah. But we can open that up to a larger discussion. That's what we need to do. And I like the fact that you very distinctively said in a post that I saw was like, yo, this is not a hookup site. Yeah. You know, it's about what you just... What you just described. It's a very yeah. It's it's called New Orleans Maybe, Cheap Date Guide. Sure. It's like it's not a hookup thing. It's not for creeping on people. It's not for stalking folks. Um, it's just it's this is a place where you can find out about very affordable things in the city because that's one of the problems is like and like as we were talking about like the geopolitical forces that are at play. There's a lot of things that are at play in this city right now, but one of them is folks that used to be working class are getting pushed further and further out. That's right. You know, right. it's not afford. It's not as an affordable a city as totally. it used to be. Yeah, there's there's all kinds of uh, these similar problems that are coming together at the same time. 
that, yeah. that need to be addressed. And we should talk about it some more. And Joel, to your point that you may not wrap it up on this, is that the advocate published that article about musical leadership that needs to take place in the city of New Orleans. And you talked about this, and I, I had made a post about how they needed the media outlets need to take a lead on that, you know, and uh, and 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 that's one of the things that that the city needs to really focus on if it's going to keep its cultural economy, uh, as everyone likes to talk about all the time. That happens to be a real thing. If we're talking about eight billion dollars, Convention and Visitors Bureau, you need to understand that it comes down from music first, food second, and architecture way, 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 way down the list as number three. And that's, those are the things that bind the city together in terms of how that stuff happens. And if you're hostile toward those things, people in the Convention and Visitors Bureau hierarchy, that they're going to go away at some mm. point, which means your income is going to go away as well. Well, that's the, yeah, this, yeah, because we can totally, I got to get going. But this, that, that opens up so many different things. But I'm sorry, Joel, I interrupted I just want to say no, that they, they had said in that article also, excuse me, I'm sorry, because I had this thought, that, that someone needs to step up. And Joel, you rightly pointed this out. On this podcast, we have talked about this issue probably more than any other media outlet in the city. If I can say one thing proudly about this podcast, maybe HIV has done it more than we have on this thing. We talk about that constantly. We have Macno on here. Macno has provided leadership, and they mm -hmm. just had their sixth anniversary uh, party, uh, yeah. party on last Friday, which I went to, and raising money for them. Folks go out and don donate to Macno. There is leadership on that front. Okay, and we talk about it on this podcast there's all the, the cheap time. Guide, man. Yeah, I mean, and there's the cheap date guide as well, and WHIV. So there are outlets for that, there, and they should be bigger and they should be more well funded. So if anybody wants to sponsor us based on that, send us some money. It's going to take dudes like us at this table and people in this city that have lived here forever to start be, being in leadership roles. I think. What we're going to do is it's going to be us here at this table, Macno. And we're going to start by that, like really focusing on smaller neighborhood focused clubs. And then eventually we're going to secede from And then Louisiana. we're going to secede. That's <laughs> Louisiana. We're going to That's ramp right. it up. That's yeah, right. right. That's we're right. We're going to start with That's it. free shrimp it's oils. It's a revolutionary yes. idea that we're talking free about Free shrimp here. oils. Yeah, That's right. right. Yeah. And we'll, be, right. we'll be slashing throats look, in Baton we're, Rouge. We're eat, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> trust me when I say this. We're, we're joining the Netherlands or we're joining Canada at some point. All right, that's, I gotta get going. Okay, I'll see you guys later. You're just gonna Lane. keep talking. Chris Lane, ladies, Thank you, ladies and no, gentlemen. Thank you. Yeah, it's a good life, babe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. And uh, we'll catch up with you next time. Yeah, you're right. That's good.